Hello and good evening everybody. By popular demand we've got Fran back on the channel. Her video that we did about Lucy Letby went viral. It's still going viral. And we have been blown away by the responses, the comments, the support for Fran's channel, all the new subscribers she has got. We thank you very much for that. And her links are in the description box below the video. Now many of you may have seen this case about the TikTok daughter and mother who ended up in a double murder and have been sentenced massively, huge sentences. I've never seen sentences this big before throughout all of the co-conspirators considering the circumstances. So if you're not familiar with the case, I'm going to run it down. We're going to get Fran's input. And then we're going to open it up so that you guys can ask Fran any questions. Because she's, if you're not familiar with Fran, she has served time in UK prisons for drug offences. And she was mentored by Kate Middleton. Turned her life around. She was convicted. Got involved in drugs in the city of Reading in the UK. So the headline on this one is Warped TikTok Star set to serve life for double murder beauty blogger 24 recruited followers who became enthralled with her tawdry fame before she and her mother used her influence to organize the killing of the mom's 21 year old lover and it's interesting because it's showing now the power of people who have social media followings you could say that she leveraged her following into committing acts of violence that escalated into murder and if you look at people who've got massive followings you wonder what would their followers do for them that's that's what comes to mind well in this case it went all the way and it's an absolute tragedy and our hearts go out for the two young men who died and their family members but there are twists in this story that we're going to get to so Mahek Bukhari is the name of the daughter, her mother Ansreen Bukhari, both jailed for life for causing a deadly escalation of violence that resulted in the deaths of two men in a high-speed car chase. Bukhari recruited followers to jump her married mother's 21-year-old lover, Saqib Hussein, after he blackmailed her and threatened to expose their three-year affair. So... They didn't, these people didn't end up dead out of the clear blue sky. The mother was married and she was having an affair with the 21 year old Saqib Hussein. She'd broke off the affair. He got upset about that. He wanted to get back together. And when she refused, he blackmailed her and threatened to send a tape of them in carnal relations to her husband. So there is an absolute epidemic of sextortion. When I do my life lessons talks to the schools, I ha I've had to incorporate trolls and sextortion into it, whereby these creeps get teenage girls to send them pictures, and then they tell them, we're going to send this to your parents now unless you do this or that for us. And some of these kids have committed suicide. So it is an abominable crime 
and Saqib Hussein, he was engaged in a criminal act, which is part of the chain of events that led to what happened. All right, so he he was accompanied by his friend Hashim, 21, lured to a Tesco car park on the pretense that the mother and daughter were giving him £3,000. If you are in America, £3,000 is just under $4,000. He was blackmailing her and he thought he was getting his payment, but they were ambushed, chased by two cars containing eight people, including the daughter and mother, and a fireball erupted in the car that was smashed, rammed, splitting the car in half, engine severed off, and both of the lads tragically died in a fireball. Can't imagine what they went through. So the judge said that Bukhari was self-obsessed and sentenced her for a minimum of 31 years and 8 months, and the mother for 26 years and 9 months. The judge points to the negative impact of social media in the backgrounds of the murders, and he said that your tawdry fame through your career as an influencer has made you utterly self-obsessed with a wholly unjustified sense of entitlement and no apparent awareness of the impact you have on others oblivious to the damage you do. That your solution to your mother's problems to engage some of your male followers to beat up Saqib Hussain speaks volumes of your warped values and maybe also of the false world of influencing that you so enthusiastically espoused. So Bukhari was aware of her mother's affair and was happy to tolerate it, if not approve of it. Mr. Hussain was targeted when he threatened to tell the husband and son about the affair. And then the jurors were played a 999 call that Mr. Hussain made from the passenger seat of the Skoda as he was chased in a dual carriageway, which ended with him screaming in the sound of a collision. He told the handler, they're trying to ram me off the road, they're trying to kill me. All right, there's, there's lots more to this, but let's just go over to Fran and get Fran's initial thoughts. Because Slough, it's not that far from Reading, is it? No, not at all. No, it's just up the road. And in your experience then, in the prison, Fran, did you come across anyone who'd got in trouble who was a social media person? No, I hadn't, no. So this is kind of a, a novel thing that's happened here. And if the mum and daughter... When they land in prison, because we talked about Lucy Letby, how the female prisoners are going to, you know, she may manage to make some friends, she may get hustled, but in general, if you committed crimes against babies, that's the lowest of the low, and she's probably going to get brutalised. In this case, you got the mother and daughter coming into a female prison in the UK. What would the reception for them be like? Oh, so this this is the thing. It's really messed up. So in prison, everyone's morals are backwards. Um, it's like you, they're just in this different world and you've got a lot of fake people in there. Now, it really depends on her attitude going into prison. So if she goes in with a bad attitude, then she's going to make friends real quick. Um, she'll get into the group of the kind of, you know, like the rude girls, um, the fact that, you know, if she goes in like she's holding her own, people will almost arse lick. Um, 
because yeah like I said everyone just it's just really really weird how everyone just changes their morals because outside they I could guarantee they would behave that way but then also if she goes in almost quiet that could also make her quite vulnerable as well because I do get asked for PSA prison survival advice videos to make them and we did do quite a few in the early years we did a series a PSA series so one of the things I said was just lay low find out who's who the big guys who come up to you checking you out they might not be the ones running it might be some little old shot caller guy who's laying low in some cell up there don't go bragging about anything you've done because they'll put you in check fast does that kind of prison survival advice apply in the female prisons the same? Not as much. Um, I mean, if you go out bragging straight away, then there will be girls that will look down upon that. That you know they won't they won't appreciate it. But at the same time, if you shy away, you lay low, you then just then sort of become vulnerable to people thinking I could take advantage of that person. Can have a liquid. Can have a vape. Can have sugar. And then it just escalates from take, take, take. And these girls, if you're not strong enough, then it could just escalate to all different like situations. Yeah, I've seen it escalate very rapidly in the men's prisons. Did you ever see a mother and daughter in the same prison? Yep, they actually lived on the same wing. One, I'm sure. I'm, I can't remember if one was upstairs, one was downstairs, but they're definitely both on the same wing. And then they both moved on to another jail. Were they in the same prison because of the same case? Or was it separate yeah, offences? Yeah, they were both in there for fraud. Right. That's fascinating. And did they get to cellmate together? I'm not actually sure if they doubled up, but where we lived in the second prison, they were all singles anyway. They're all single cells. So the viewers, we've got a first viewer question. Please put your questions in the chat wherever you are in the world watching this. So Danielle Morton is wondering whether the mother and daughter will go to the same prison? More than likely, yeah. Yeah, they will, because there's not... Um, they normally, when you go into prison, you're going to a remand prison, and there's not many of them around. So if they've gone to court together on the same day, being sentenced, they'll land up going to the same prison. One could get shipped out sooner by their OMU, but if if they work out the system quick and they both put in an app to go to the same prison, because if you're in a remand jail, like nine times out of ten, your OMU worker, which is like a probation officer, but in prison, they will ship you out to a sentence jail, but you can ask to be shipped out before they do that. Now, people who get extremely high sentences who have committed the crimes of murder, from what I saw, they get whisked away quite fast from the lower security areas and put either on suicide watch because they've got such a high sentence or get put into the highest level of security. With the In the female prisons in the UK, do you have like minimum, medium, maximum, supermax? Or is it different? It's a bit different. I mean, they have like... Um... I think it's like double, like it's got, you've got cat A and then you've got like high security and then you've got open. So there's like three different levels, but 
even they they can be in each one obviously depending on how long they got left of their sentence so if they're in their last sort of two years they can be in an open prison because they'll be going out to work on their rottles if you're a hugely high profile um like lucy letby or joanne Dennehy, then they will be in like high security prisons all right you've got a question here from angela then um, what is the answer for them to keep safe in prison? Um, just keep their head down. Uh, not necessarily go in with that big bad attitude because as much as people will, like I said, you know, they will want to sort of like kiss their ass because of it. Also, there might be girls that don't actually like that. People don't like that. If you walk straight into a prison, also that can go against you if you've got that kind of attitude. Because a lot of people, especially with this case, are going to look at it and they're not going to think that she's bad. You know, they are going to think you've used your social media and you've took it to an extreme and etc. Right, we've got a question from Shazza's. Is there a top dog in female prison? No. No, you'll have a stronger character on the wing. You'll have like one stronger character, um, but there's not no top dog. It is an interesting question because we've seen increasingly from the interviews that we've done, people who've been to prison have talked about the Muslim prison population has grown over the years and formed a strong gang. So Hamza is wondering whether there is a Muslim gang in female prisons or is it different from the male prison culture? Yeah, they don't, you know, there is there is a high population of um, Muslim girls, but it, they're not in gangs. question from Vixter will they be seen as scum in the prison or is it a low crime in relevance to the others well from what I've seen if you've murdered someone that's a very serious crime and it puts you at the highest security level so how it's tricky this one isn't it Fran because the woman the mother was getting blackmailed and the daughter her instinct to protect a fellow family member kicked in and she recruited her followers to get him beat up. I don't think she believed this was going to end in murder. Now, all of us have got a natural instinct. If someone was trying to pick on my mum for some reason or other, I would definitely stand up and try and do something to that person. So is that going to be sympathetic will they get sympathy because of that because of this guy they didn't murder someone off the street who'd done nothing to them are they going to get sympathy because the guy was trying to blackmail the mother yeah i think that's what some of the girls will take to you know when you go into prison it's survival mode so people will adapt to certain accepting certain things and stuff like that or certain crimes and i think in this situation a lot of people will generally go, you know, yeah, you, you, it's your mum. You kind of just, you just go protective, you know, you, you want to protect your mum and you kind of, sometimes people obviously don't think of the consequences. Like, I don't condone it. Um, you know, I'm really pleased for the, for the family that the outcome, you know, that they got, like justice was served for them. But in your normal scenario, this is such a high sentence, it wouldn't normally happen because it was a premeditated murder. So why do you think it was a premeditated murder? That it wasn't a premeditated oh, murder. Oh, it wasn't, sorry. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't, yeah. 
yeah, I mean, from, you know, what I can gather together from the story. And I think that's what people might sort of, you know, they might just be like, oh, you, it, it wasn't like she went out to sort of murder him and, and stuff. Yeah, I think what's aggravated it is the phone call where he's called the cops and he's saying, you know, they're running me off the street, they're, they're going to kill me. So I think that shows some intent. I think the judge has aggravated the sentence because of that. But the judge, when he did hand down the sentence, said these people have been recruited to beat these guys up. Before we go to the questions, let me just look at some more of the story to get some more details on this. So the judge lambasted the daughter for leveraging the social media following to beat these guys up. Then the 9-9 call came in. They're trying to ram me off the road. They're trying to kill me. And what we had here, we had an Audi TT and a Seat Leon. The Audi TT was recorded as going over 100 miles an hour. The Seat Leon was also in pursuit and the Skoda was out going over 80 miles an hour when it got hit which caused the car to split in half and the engine to detach and the two young men to be killed in a fireball. But eight people were involved. So the judge said that Bukhari approached Karwan as a go-between who brought in Rhys Jamal. He said it was not chance that Karwan took over driving the Audi during the fatal chase. The judge suggested Jamal was enthralled with Bukhari the TikToker, despite being in a relationship of sorts with co-defendant Natasha Akhtar and was happy to do her bidding. That's from the BBC. So Akhtar, 23 of Birmingham, was jailed for 11 years and 8 months. Amar Jamal, 28 of Leicester, 14 years. And Sanaf Gula Mustafa, 23 for 14 years. The other drivers got the tr the two drivers one got 26 years 10 months and one got 36 years wow that is a lot isn't it compared to you know, i mean i'll just put um, i'll pause there for a second seeing people come into prison fran convicted of murder you know murders of kids and stuff like that for example on the scale of sentences that you've seen people get where do these sentences lie? I mean, they're high, and that will be the talk of the prison as well of how high their sentences are. You know, they they are. <laughs> I know the families might not think that. I'm just talking. You know what I've seen and obviously heard of people's sentences. They really are high. You know, like you said, the value system is upside down in prison. To an extent, do exceptionally high sentences that are the talk of the prison cause prisoners to be in awe of those people they can do um it could also intrigue them possibly to speak to them to find out what actually happened you know anybody that might have seen her on tiktok and quite fresh in jail some people think it's like it'll be okay she's not famous but people might have heard of her already in prison and seen her and stuff like that so it's kind of like that so social media fame and people might be intrigued as well. So how would the prisoners have found out about the mum and daughter? Would that be watching a news programme on the TV in the prison or 
through uh, illegal mobile phones, perhaps checking out the internet. Do you know what? It'll be through the news. It'll be through mobiles, but it'll also be um, visits as well. It can be family members and friends outside. They'll be like, oh, is that woman in your prison? Because that's that's sometimes a question you'll get asked from the outside. So if, if they haven't heard of it, they will. All right, let's continue the story then. Um, after Bukhari and her mother were jailed for life, the heartbroken families of the two victims paid heartfelt tributes. And it is really sad, you know, to hear the words of a father saying how much, you know, he's, he's missing his son. Mr. Hussain described the 20-year-old as a much-loved young man who do not feel that we have received justice as we have now got a life sentence. The day we found out Hashim had died, our world came crashing down. His death has changed everything. Everyone who knew Hashim loved him. His death is not just a massive loss to our family, but also to our whole community. He was a cheeky young man who was always smiling, a handsome man who was beautiful both on the inside and out. He would do anything for anyone. He was very caring, had a very kind heart. He would always put others first and wouldn't hesitate to help others if they needed it. On that tragic day, he was simply helping his friend and this resulted in his death. It has been extremely painful, not only losing Hashim at such a young age, but also in the circumstances in which we lost him. We will always be extremely proud of Hashim. Whatever he would have done in life, we know he would have excelled in it. He was and will always be our superstar and our one in a million. So that is the second person who died in the vehicle who was helping the other guy who was going to collect the £3,000. Um, and they said, Mr. Hussain added, Saqib was a much-loved young man, kind, compassionate, caring, and sensible. Um, grief of losing Saqib has been count, can't have relived the horror of my son's death over and over again in court. My family and I would like to thank Leicestershire Police greatly for their diligence, thoroughness, and painstaking hard work and enduring, ensuring that those responsible did not evade justice. We have hope and confidence that Saqib has found eternal rest with our Lord and that he will go to be with him again when we pass. We also pray that no family will ever have to go through our experience. So Bukhari blew a kiss to her father in court, told him, call me. And she was seen taken down to serve life in prison alongside the mother. She was smiling and laughing during quite a part of the trial and casually playing games when the jury retired, according to the BBC. And before her arrest, 18 months ago, she had boasted of having more than 126,000 followers on TikTok and a further 43,000 on Instagram. And the judge said, the prosecution categorised this as a story of love, obsession and extortion. And in that they were right. They were also right in categorising this case as one of cold-blooded murder. He said, Bakari's mum, his head had been turned by the perceived glamour of her daughter's career. He said to her, you are the grown-up in this group and you should have behaved as the grown-up, but you allowed your understandable concern about exposure to strip you of any rational judgment. And the detective inspector, Mark Parrish, said it was a callous and cold-blooded attack. Judge Spencer ended the hearing by making a formal judicial commendation, praising the police involved, as well as family liaison officers. And the other defendant, Mohammed Patel, was previously found not guilty of murder or manslaughter. So it looks like out of the eight, I think six or seven of them got extreme, got double-digit sentences. All right, let's go back over to the questions then. 
So if we're talking about the mother and daughter who've just got put in prison for life. If you've joined the chat, Fran has served time in UK prisons. If you've got any questions about this case or female prisons, put them in the chat. We'll get them to Fran. And huge thank you to all the people who've subbed to Fran's channel. Link is in the description box. Right, so Miss Wee Lassie, are they being sent to a prison near to where the court case was held? Or are some prisons for specific crimes? No, there's not. It's that all the prisons are for mi are mixed crimes. And it just depends on the um, availability, like how full the prisons are. So if there's, like, for example, Bronzefield's the closest and they've got rooms, they'll go straight there. If they don't, then they'll go up, like, to Peterborough. You know, it really just depends where the beds are. Next question is from Sally. How hard is it to keep your head down and get on with your time without getting involved in any nonsense? Um, it, it's not, you know what, it's not that hard. If, you know, if you go in, it, you know, I had to change when I went to prison and I just found the right circle of friends to be around. It, it's Again, it's just choices and you, you just surround yourself by the people that you want to do your sentence with. You choose whether to make it easy or hard. Della Perry, uh, you want to do a podcast? You victorious prize, brother. Please send me an email. Go to my website, and we will check that out and coordinate that. Right. So, is an interesting observation from Sarah. If Saqib was twenty-one when killed, they had a three-year affair. He would have been seventeen. Probably his first experience with a woman. She g-worded him into be, um, being young silly boy in love she messed with his head so Sarah indeed that is a really good point it's just to think that how young that he was uh, getting into that situation she should have known better and if that had happened in America it would be illegal because the legal age in America is 18 I believe but it's 16 in the UK so that would be definitely an uh, aggravating factor. Rule's got the window when it's your mum. But then on the other side, yep, you've got people, your mum gets threatened, you're just not going to let it happen, are you? So thoughts on any of those comments, Fran? Yeah, like we said before, you know, you're going to protect your mum. Like, whether your mum's right or wrong, you know, families, like, families. So I'm not condoning what she's done or anything at all. There is so many other ways they could have dealt with this situation. But you just sort of go into that protective mode. So Justin is saying, I don't think this was a spur-of-the-moment crime. I think they were going to be killed in the car park. Well, even the judge said the people who were present had been recruited to beat the guy up. Um, I think that once they got in the cars... Cars are deadly weapons, and if you're going at such high speeds, anything, absolutely anything can happen. Yeah. Hamza says, It is sad for the most innocent person who was the driver who died. He was the cousin who was the least involved, apart from doing his cousin a favour and got killed for it. Absolute tragedy. I definitely agree with that. All right, it's something from Nickel. The question, Judges are very reluctant to dish out long sentences unless it's really bad. The judge clearly worked out what was going on. Do you think they're going to have some play in the legal system, Fran, on appeal to get these sentences reduced? I mean, yeah, they've they've got the right to appeal, um, and I think you can you can do it once 
and they can't touch your sentence. I can't, I can't remember the ins and the outs of it because someone was doing it when I was in prison, but you've got to be really careful with that because I think when it goes to the second appeal, um, if the judge, and say they've already served three years, the judge can actually re-sentence them and re-sentence it from the court date. So he could turn around and go, just for your cheek, I'm going to give you 40 years and I'm starting your sentence from today. So it is kind of a, a dangerous game to play, but they do have the right to appeal. Did you ever see that happen, whereby people thought they were going to get some love in the justice system and it, the sentences got increased? No. So one girl that was on my wing, she was doing it. Um, but I remember her code done it. And that's how I knew, because I think he'd served two years in and the judge said that he was giving him an extra, he thought he got a light sentence, he was getting an extra couple of years, but I'm starting your sentence from today. So the two years he'd already done, he had to redo. Wow, that's rough. We've got a question here. Now we've interviewed Christopher Spry, whose mother was classified as the most evil mother in the country. Are you familiar with this case, Frank? Because we're getting asked whether you were in prison, whether you came across Eunice Spry. No. And we're getting asked this by Della Perry, who's saying that she is Victoria and Victoria Spry's brother. Now, this case, um, Victoria Spry did kill herself in a flat in Cheltenham on September 22nd last year. Oh yeah, that was the daughter, wasn't it? Really sad. So that was the daughter who suffered years of abuse at the hands of Britain's most sadistic foster mother, hanged herself when she could no longer cope with the years of resulting anguish. If people want to get this full story, check out our interview with Christopher Spry. I'm, I'm just going to run a bit of it by Fran to get how Eunice would have been treated in prison. Um, she, The daughter published a book called Torture about the experience at the hands of Eunice. Um... She'd been discharged from a psychiatric hospital and the uh, assistant Gloucestershire coroner, this is indeed a tragic death. I've been through the evidence and I have to say it's difficult to contemplate the mental anguish. Oh my goodness, the mental anguish, what these kids went through, Fran. If I can find um, some of the details of the case here, but, but the things that that um, Eunice did, it's just, there's a reason that she was classified as, as uh, the UK's most evil mum. Let me just see if I can pull up Eunice Spry's wiki page, because I imagine she would have got brutalised when she went to prison. All right, yeah, so she, she had them eat their own poo and vomit, Ram sticks down their throats, rub their faces with sandpaper, lock two of them naked in a room for a month. Um, and that that's just a fraction of what she did. Uh, a sentence was reduced by the High Court to 12 years. On 30th of May 2014, she indicated she would be released in June 2014. And then Victoria died in 2020, the daughter. Her siblings alleged that the residual trauma from the abuse she suffered led to her doing that. Oh my God. So if you've done that to kids then, Fran, what, 
and then she only got 12 years. The judge told Spry that it was the worst case in his 40 years practicing law. Oh my God, she was only sentenced to 14 years. This is why I think the justice system's a bit upside down. She should have got, she should have never been let out. 100%, 100%. I mean, that that alone just sounds horrific. Um, and this this is where it's crazy. This is where we have these conversations. You know, there was one girl and her partner and they had killed their child, but they were serving less, like a lesser sentence than what we were in there for drugs. And it, it is just, you know, it's it's backwards. It's crazy. She, 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 for that, she would have a hundred percent got, someone would have got hold of her. What's the sentence you've seen that's been most out of line? Um, I think that I think my friend had a really. Uh, she got eighteen years for basically defending herself. Um, it got kind of twisted in the media from her abusive partner, and she um, ended up killing him, like fighting back, and she got sentenced to eighteen years. And I think obviously here in this case, this case has got to be the like the most out of this world, like sentencing. When you know, like I'm saying, it's not. I you know, I'm I'm happy for the families and stuff, and. It's about time that if you take people's lives, proper sentences were given out. But this is, this has got to be the biggest that I've heard of. So Justin has said, folks need to look at this from a female Muslim view. It weren't going to be released. It would have shamed the whole family. She had no choice. So the the sex tape, basically, uh, Justin's pointing out that the release of that would have caused so much shame because we do see when things happen that family members get wiped out by their own parents for bringing shame which is an absolute tragedy there was a case in warrington i think the girl had refused to do an arranged marriage or something and the parents you know ended her life um warrington's right next to my hometown of witness so it was a really big case up there so what did they do so if you go back to the beginning we're talking about TikTok mom and daughter who ended up the the mum was in having an affair the young man threatened to release a sex tape if they didn't get back together and demanded three thousand pounds so the daughter used her social media following to recruit people to supposedly beat the guy up but it ended up in a the guy caught wind of it they met at a car park the guy caught wind of it didn't get out the car they stayed in the car they sped off two cars followed them with eight people in them they got rammed, car split, and they died in a fireball. Just to recap. All right, so question from Gary Fran. Did you work or do education in prison, and how long did you serve? I did both. Oh, so I served three years, eight months in prison, and i done probably IT for a couple of weeks, and that's about it education-wise. So I worked. I did all different sort of support jobs. I worked outside the prison as well, Rottles. Are there opportunities in UK prisons to people to do programs and education to rehabilitate, or is it, you know, scant? No, yeah. It, so basically, when you go into prison, no matter what prison you go in, if you don't get a level, at least a level one in English and maths, that is set. You have to do that until you've got a level one, and you can't get another job until you've done that. You get paid the same as being a wing cleaner or working in the kitchens, but you automatically get put on that as your job. 
So they incentivize people to study. Yeah. yeah, they do, yeah. And if you're serving a long time, you know, they do like they do all sort of different degrees and stuff like that. So when you say do degrees, would you be in a classroom or is it a correspondence course? How's it done? You have to just do it in yourself. So it's like you revise yourself, you do the coursework and stuff. There's not like classes for it or anything. They obviously provide you with all the books and stuff that you need. They fund it as well. And are those degrees um, sanctioned by the prison or are they like organised by outside educational entities attached to the prison? Yeah, so it's actually um, from outside. So it's not just something that the prison do and it doesn't mean anything when you walk outside. Um, like some of the things that you do in there, they, they give you a certificate and it's just a made up piece of paper that means nothing on the outside world. This is actually like university degrees. And do a lot of the prison population take those opportunities up? You'll find it's more lifers. It's long term because obviously, you know, most of them are like three, four years minimum. So, yeah, it's people that are serving long sentences that do. So it's not that many that do it. Would you say that the lifers then are the most sensibly behaved? I found personally the lifers are the most um, twisted, the most, not all of them. Not all of them. I met some really nice lifers, but a lot of them are, they will stab you in the back. I think, I don't know if it's where they've been in a long time and it just sends you stir crazy. I don't know, but they are dangerous. They will definitely befriend you and make you think they're your friend and they're not. Did you see any institutionalised behaviour? Um, just more like firsthand. I just had one girl that I wasn't like great friends with but we got on and stuff like that and then sort of behind my back it was going to the office trying to ruin my rottles for me making up lies about me yeah we got real 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 messy um, obviously luckily for me the officers knew exactly what she was about and you know it was to the point that we were sort of having like shouting match and stuff and I was just like don't because you're the one that lose everything like we know what she's about um so luck yeah luckily for me but they can be dangerous how often do people test you in prison from um i never I, I had two arguments that's one with that lifer when i confronted obviously i found out what was said i don't know if they think that people wasn't going to come back and tell me there was one and then there was another one but that was basically me that turned around and ended up screaming because i just was this girl mm. It was going on and on and on, telling everyone that we were together. It wasn't true. And she was just, she's just going on and on. And then one day in the gym, I just turned around and just, I just lost it. Absolutely lost it. So no one actually come to me like to want to fight. How hard is it to rein yourself in and not lose it? You know what? <laughs> it's so hard. Like, I swear I'm traumatized. No, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's hard because. I literally made a choice um, that I was going to change. I was going to do my sentence the right way. I was going to get out, do my rottles. So I'd done a lot of yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, no, sir. And it's so hard. It's so hard not having prisoners test you or officers test you. I, I, I would never, I wouldn't go back to jail, but we can all say, we can never say never. Um, I just don't think if I did, I would do it the same way. How would you do it? 
I'd probably be a little bit naughty. I just think I'd rebel a little bit because I've been in there and I've and I've done it for so long that it's it's hard. You kind of feel a little bit resentful, you know. You think you try and do the right thing, but yet if you're if you're a bad prisoner, you get whatever you want when you want because they just want you to be quiet. They don't want you to kick off. They don't want you to act up. But when they know that you're going to do as you're told, it's like you get tested even more. Or you have to like really get frustrated, you know, kick off to get what you want. So how long did it take you to adjust your mindset after you've been arrested to adapt? I think it, it come pretty quick. Um, the fact that obviously I, I you know, I, I didn't know I was facing prison. It just happened. I was remanded. Um, you don't really have a lot of time to process anything. All your kind of processes is finding your feet and like is this really like the movies you know am I going to get someone come to me and try and take everything out myself and by the time you've done all that you're already in that process of just naturally just being respectful you know I was brought up I wasn't dragged up so I've always had my manners and stuff and if you want to watch more there's tons more on Fran's channel link is in the description box I'm going to go back to the questions and comments now we're talking about the TikTok mother and daughter in prison for life. So, John, yeah, this is really pertinent in this day and age. It's drugs that causes problems in prisons. Drug-free, no problems. Would you say that's true? Yeah, 100%. There's, you know, they say, have I saying there's more drugs in prison than there is on the outside. Like, it is, it, there is so much in there. I mean, it causes fights. It causes people to get into debt. People, girls that have gone in there, the girl that lived next door to me never even took drugs before, um, got in with the wrong crowd, and she become a proper spice head. And it messed her up hugely. So you'll be surprised at this percentage of women that actually get on drugs that have never touched them. And in COVID, the jail was flooded. So there's no, no one's getting out. So it makes you think, obviously, as well, Where's that coming from? Because there's no visits. No one's going out to work and bringing it in. Only leaves one alternative. <laughs> Did you see people wigging out on Spice? Oh, real bad. Um, like I said, the girl that lived next door to me, I remember because we normally you queue up um, at the servery on the wing and I was stood with my back to the door and I, I was looking in this girl's cell opposite and the door was open and my neighbour was just staring at me and then I saw a couple of girls around her and I thought, because she, she was she was a vulnerable girl, she was young as well and it was like, is she in trouble? But she was just staring so I thought, okay, like, is something going on here? Like, so I went in to see what was going on and the next thing, you know, I was like, you could tell she was high as hell, like, and I've said, you know, what's, what's going on? What's going on? What she took? Um, and then I was like, ah, she's like smoked spice and so they was like, we need to get her up to her room. So they just, so they was like, I oh, would take her up to her room. And then the next thing you know, they've just left her to walk out and she's gone up the stairs and so, cause the way she was kind of like a zombie. Um, and I run up behind her and literally she just fell. She, like she just lost her balance and come straight. And literally, luckily she was only a skinny little girl cause I caught her. And yeah, that was like probably the worst I've seen someone on Spice. And why? Is spice everywhere in prisons all over the world? Why has it become so popular, do you think? Because it's easy um, to get in because they were spraying, like, all the, the letters and stuff like that. So it was a lot easier in the beginning to get it in. 
Right, we've got a comment from Nickel. TikTok influencer Mahek Bukhari's accomplice had already been convicted of the R word long before being convicted of murder. I don't know um, anything about that, Nickel, but I will check that out. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. Justin is saying it should have been manslaughter due to demised responsibility. I thought it would have been manslaughter as well, but they went full force and gave four of them huge sentences for murder. Um, let's see, there's more about the R word there. All right, so Gary, Fran, what repercussions will they face? Do you know what? I think the toughest thing for them is no matter how big and amazing she might have thought she was, I think the the worst repercussion will be there's going to be a point where she sits in her cell and realises she's there for life and everything that she was trying to cover up is out anyway. You know, there could have been such a different way to deal with it. And you might have somebody in there. You might have other girls that especially i'm not saying any of them was right but maybe more so on the innocent the, the driver was it the driver that was um just driving the guy that got killed his cousin yeah i think that's gonna be the one that's gonna really raffle some, like some girl some girl's feathers in there i think that's gonna be a whole different ball game so you know they could well get dealt with over that did you ever see anybody who just got a massive sentence that was in a state of shock? Yeah, there was a young girl um, that come in and it was to do with the Manchester fires, uh, the fire, sorry, Manchester fire, the young lads, I think he set fire to the house. Uh, she really just, she, I think there were some kids in there, they, um, they died and she couldn't, she wasn't dealing with her sentence well at all. Um, yeah, I think she was in a shock. I don't think she would have like thought she was going to get sentenced as well. Um, yeah, some young girls, they, some of them that have got life at first, they really, really were a mess, an absolute mess. Do you recall what sentence she had? I actually can't. Um, I think she got, I'm sure she got double figures. Do you know the one that I'm talking about? It must have been around 2018. 2018. There's a a mother's death. 2017 um, petrol bomb where a mother died in 2017. 2018 uh, men who murdered four children in Manchester. Um, Arson attack. Um, Child killer sentence for murdering mum. Boland and Worrell were sent to jail for 40 years and 37 years, respectively. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, I'm sure they they petrol-bombed the house and it was over something really stupid. Um, And I'm sure the children, they got killed in the fire. Oh, dear. That's terrible. Yeah, I think it was two boys and her. And one was her boyfriend. Hmm. All right, next question is from Vixter. Does Fran think by the time they are out, they will be reformed and remorseful, taking into account the dynamics and services and resources available in prison to help reform? Do you know the reason why I say yeah is because 
I mean, I don't know. Maybe they set out to kill him. I mean, driving at that speed, I don't really know what you thought the outcome would be. And taking eight people with you, again, that's a lot just to give one guy a kick in. Um, but if it was genuine and it was just a kick in and it wasn't set out to be murder, I think that she, yeah, I think she's got a long time to reflect and actually realise what she's done and possibly realise, you know, she's not a murderer and... Yeah, from what I saw, there's various stages of adaptation. When you're facing a long sentence, you're praying that you're not going to get it. And then when you do get it, you are in shock. But once you get over the shock, you establish a routine in prison. And if you are a positive person, you're going to try and make the most of that time. So once they've the mum and daughter have got the routine down, it is hoped for society that they will do the programmes they will come to terms with what they've done and be remorseful and they will educate themselves and grow emotionally as well and come out as reformed people. That is the hope. But sadly, many people have got demons that are undiagnosed. There's so many mental health issues and they fall back on street drugs to self-medicate for that. And as Fran mentioned earlier people come in and they don't have drug problems but by the time they get out they sure as hell do and that's the other thing as well when people have got massive sentences sometimes they do fall back on the hardest drugs to try and self-medicate for the stress that they're going through to you know compensate because the if, if you think that you're never going to get your life back that is a hell of a shock to the system. I was facing a life sentence for my ecstasy case in Arizona. And I was about ready to end it, thinking I was never going to get out. And I wasn't even convicted. But to get convicted and to know you're never going to get out, the psychological pressure on you must be tremendous. And Fran's seen that firsthand, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's And, and the thing is, is they'll turn to drugs because it makes the time go quick. That's the killer of prison is time. I mean, you know yourself, you know, a day will feel like two. Um, so, they, you know, it could, like you say, it could be to take away the thoughts in their head. They could take drugs and it could also be just to pass the time. I mean, it really, it, I think it takes a real strong person. I mean, like, like I said, I've seen people turn bitter and twisted and... I don't think they'll they will come out feeling remorseful. Um, you know, I think there's a possibility that they could think they're even badder because they've done this long sentence. All right, we're going to go back over to the questions and comments. Cassie's wondering whether any innocent drivers were hurt that weren't involved at all. As far as I, because you can watch a video of it online, some of it you can't see the actual end. But you can see some of it, and it looks like it's very late at night and there's not much traffic out. So I'm assuming that there weren't any innocent drivers hit. Um, Justin, don't think Fran would be around them kind of crooks, Sean, to be honest. She is too nice of a soul. Oh, thank you. Yeah. GB is wondering, can you please ask Fran how she would treat the mum and daughter? So you're in there, Fran, in the prison. Mum and daughter come in. They're fish. They come to you, they say, Fran, what what is, you know, what happens in this place? What what do we do next? What's going on? What, how would you treat them? 
So the interesting thing is I've done a job where you meet and greet people when they come into the prison. So <laughs> that was my job. Um, so professionally, I would tell them the basis. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't go into deep. I'd do my job. But other than that, I wouldn't give them any extra support like I did other girls, especially when they were vulnerable and stuff like that. I would just keep it to the bare minimum and if I hadn't done that job, I just wouldn't make conversation. I I have been told I've got that kind of face where I'm not really approachable, which I do like because what how I come across is not like what I'm actually am as a person. So I quite like that. So I give off that aura. Um, but if someone did try to speak to me, I would just give the the sort of coldest response. So they kind of just get that vibe from me that I'm not really interested in talking to them. Nickel says there are three types of prisoners, mad, bad or sad. The mother who abused the kids is clearly mad. The TikTok mother et al are bad. And Hamza is wondering why the judge gave Eunice Spry such a low sentence. So I think personally, crimes against women and kids are the most abominable stuff anyone can do. And people should get the maximum sentences. But the court has got it the wrong way around. The court... If you're involved in drugs, you see people getting decades, they hand it out like candy. When they're the sentences, it should be going to people like Eunice Spry. Did, did, how do you feel about that, Fran? Yeah, 100% agree, you know. I mean, it, it's bizarre because I don't think they really think about it. It's not just the torture they've put them through. Their whole life is ruined. Like, that child clearly is never, ever going to be the same again. Like, it's, you know, there are the few people that are um, abused as a child that do turn their life around and make something of them themselves. But I think a lot more turn to drugs, turn to, to drink, um, you know, and it, I think they forget about the long-term damage, but because they didn't kill them, it's all right. Like, you know, and I'm not quite sure where they think that selling, don't get me wrong, drugs ruin lives 100%, you know, I'm, a, I'm an ex-addict myself. It's, you know, I'm fully aware of what damage it causes um, and I'm not condoning it at all. But selling drugs to torturing a child, I don't, I'm not quite sure how the judge can see that as a lesser crime. It baffles me. When I was researching my War on Drugs series of books, I went to the Hemp Museum in Holland and there are people in America under three strikes law serving 25 to life for possession of the green now that is obscene. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So dealers, yep, yeah, they're harming society, deserve to be punished, but people are consuming it. And at the height of the war on drugs, you had almost a million arrests a year for possession of the green. And that's how they fill the private prisons. Sixty thousand dollars a year of taxpayers' money per person. All right, next question is from Han Karoo. In prison, does it help to be known as smart and intelligent, or should you act dumb? Oh, good question. Um, I don't think you should act anywhere. I think uh, just be true to you. Um, it's always good to act. Well, saying that, maybe act a little bit less knowledgeable than what you are. That's not mm -hmm. a bad show. <laughs> yeah, and act more modest than you are. Get your ego in check. Yeah. And don't flash wealth or anything like that because they will come and shake you down. Finley, Fran, did you ever cry in prison? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Can you give yeah. us a story of what led up to that, or is it too personal? Uh, no, not at all. I've just, 
I I'm not ashamed to admit I cry. I'd sit in my cell sometimes and just cry. I think I think one there's two stories that really stand out. I think one was when um, my dad come on come to visit me, and we were sat on a he come on a visit he come on his own, and I've never seen my dad cry ever. And he just cried and he was like I just don't understand. He said you you know how much drugs ruin lives like you you know I, I, he knows I was on drugs he said I just don't understand like I'd really he was really embarrassed I think I could have gone in there for you know killing someone and he probably if it was self-defense obviously that kind of situation um you know and that's that oh, I went back and I was broken I was absolutely mm. broken that's what made me go you know what it this I've got to change um and then another time, which I was really bad, I, I remember just sitting in my cell thinking, I didn't know what my purpose was because my whole life I'd been involved in drugs and it was like, I wasn't, it wasn't even like I was depressed. It was like, I just didn't know where I was going to go with my life and I just couldn't find a purpose. Like you're, you're trapped away with your own thoughts and that's, that's dangerous at first until you learn to, to like put them away in a box or, process them in the right way it's tough it's an emotional roller coaster that's fascinating friend so you know you, you're consuming drugs for a period of time you're incarcerated and then you're sober did that force you to face your demons a hundred percent yeah yeah, because I'd always been around people. I'd always been like in relationships or had like been around my friends. I'd just selling drugs. You're always even if you're not hanging around with people, you're on the phone. You just got that constant. But when you're in prison, you have to sit by yourself. You haven't got a choice. Um, and then that's when you really start to see your demons. And then that's when you know I'd done um, a really good course you know, which I'd had counselling and it was the best thing that I ever done. And now I prefer to be on my own. I love it if I'm on my own at home, you know. I enjoy my own company. When the sober Fran first looked back at the years of the craziness, what were your initial thoughts? Do you know what? I've I've, I've always kind of said, like, in prison, do you know what? Um... I don't I don't regret it. Obviously I regret obviously hurting people and stuff like that, but it's made me who I am today. It made me help people in prison. Um, you know, my experience of being an addict. It was people, you know, I'd sit and have one to ones when I was a recovery mentor and they'd be like, You weren't on drugs, you don't look like an ex druggie and I'm like, I was. Like, you know, and they so it was really rewarding. It was really refreshing. So I got to spend my time helping and supporting other prisoners. It's good that you transformed that energy. When you were looking back, though, on your the wild times, was there anything in particular that really shocked you and you thought, oh, God, you know, what was I doing? I can't ever do anything like that again. Um, Just the rawity of me just selling drugs and thinking it was a normal life. I mean, I just, that whole thing, I don't know how I thought it was normal um, and it was okay. Like, it just wasn't. Just, I was just, yeah, just the brazen of myself. You get so adjusted to it over the years, don't you? And you surround yourself with like-minded people and there's nobody to put the brakes on. Yeah, that's it. It's just, that was my world. That's all I knew. Um, Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how you just think it's normal. But people are so afraid to leave it because 
they don't want to do the brave thing, which is what you did. You faced your demons and transformed your life into a positive trajectory. It, it's so hard for people to leave what they're accustomed to because they have to go through discomfort to become a new person. How did you bridge that gap? Uh, it's it's not easy. You know, the funniest thing was, I remember my friend used to sell drugs with me as well and um, she sort of met her boyfriend and he didn't want her to do it anymore and she was like, look, Fran, you know, I'm not going to do this. And I was like, listen, because she had a good job as well. I, I remember sitting there going, like, you're you'll make something of yourself i'm glad like i'm glad that you're getting out like it doesn't bother me like she used to like help me out basically obviously not for free but it it was kind of my fault that she got yeah she everyone's a grown-ass adult but if she hadn't met me probably wouldn't have got involved in it let's put it that way um and i said to her i said you're going to amount to something i'm never going to amount to something this is me this is all i know I'm, i'm only streetwise i'm not intelligent you know and i think i put myself down so much but then bizarrely, you know, I, I've, I've come out, I've been promoted in my job, you know, and I, I, and it, what seems so hard is so easy, um, and, you know, and it, you you think it's hard, you think, that's what I thought, I just told myself I was never, I was never going to amount to anything, you know, at this point I must have been about 33 years old, you kind of think, if I've not done it, I'm not going to do it now. Well, that's so inspirational for people who are struggling and going through things to hear what you just said. If people are beating themselves up, thinking they're never going to amount to anything, you can transform your life. You've got the power of it in your brain and your thoughts and your choices and your decisions. All right, so a question from Hamza. Are UK prisons private, like running in the US? It's becoming increasingly so, isn't it, Fran? So, like, some of them... So, Bronzefield is part private, part government, and then the majority of them are government. So for Nola, I'm not going to put it on the screen because of the, the language used, um, is asking about romantic relationships between women in prison. Is that real or is it exaggerated? Oh, no, it's real. It's really real. Um, people, they, they call it gay for the stay because <laughs> there's girls that have got boyfriends outside, but they've got a girlfriend in the prison. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of it going on. Sally, what lessons can be learned from this case about the dangers of social media and the importance of addressing issues of blackmail and revenge? Oh, that's a deep one. Just every action has a reaction, um, you know, and two lives have been lost because you didn't want something to come out. But now look, you know, and, and let, let's let's pretend, you know, let's say that she didn't set out to murder him. That's a lot of other people's lives ruined that were just there probably just showing off or wanting to be there because she's popular in the car. They're now serving such a long sentence. There are ways to deal with things. Question from Hamza. Is there a difference in private, in a private or government-run prison? I feel like privately-run place would have differences. Did you come across differences in the private versus uh, state? Yeah, so private prison, the food was horrific. The stuff you could buy in the canteen was very minimal. They don't have microwaves. You have to be enhanced, which is like uh, like a good prisoner. And you, uh, we've spoke about it before. You've got to work your way up to get that, to have a kettle in your room. Whereas in a government prison, you just get one in your room. They have microwaves on the landing. So there is definitely a difference in it. The, the government is 
if you're a prisoner, you're much better off being in a uh, government prison. Yeah, the private prisons come in, it's all like contracts and they kick down money to the politicians to get these contracts and they say they're going to rehabilitate the prisoners and get the statistics up and in the beginning they often do that and they build these really nice private prisons but once they're in they just allow them to get run down and over time they get so run down that all kinds of insane things happen there was a private prison in Arizona they've been so cheap because they didn't want to get their, their um, costs up to maximize their profits the, the alarm on the fence had gone off 200 times that month so oh, when prisoners did escape they didn't respond to the alarm because it was always going off and these those prisoners went on a killing spree so the private prisons come in they pretend they're gonna increase the stats and it's all gonna be much improved and but their bottom line is once they're in they want to reduce the cost to maximize the profits and they let the prisons get run down and the, in america the gangs run it run everything because they've got two guards watching hundreds of inmates and the guards can't keep control that's the main cost is the, is the staff one of the biggest costs so by keeping the staff costs down, getting rid of all the professional staff who've been there for years who cost the most, they bring in these young staff who've got no experience and the prisoners and the gangs run ring, rings around them and Fran's laughing, I think she's seen this. Yeah, honestly, you'd have like 19-year-olds trying to tell you what to do and it's just like, seriously, you've just come out of school. Like, there's no, there's no respect there. Um, quite a few of them don't last, I've seen that. Question from Marley. Hi, Fran. Can you have your own books, clothes, and favourite possessions in your cell? Good to see you on here with Sean again. Thank you. Um, yeah, so you can have books. You can have books sent in, CD player, CDs. But you're like, you can have like, I think it's like 10 CDs, um, so many DVDs. You can have your own clothes. You can have your own clothes sent in. There's a, a minimum, maximum of, well, it's not really a minimum, but sorry, but a maximum. So it might be like 11 tops, four bottoms, two shorts, four footwear. Um, so, yeah, you can have, but you can't have jewellery to an extent. So you can have necklaces and rings. But to be fair, if it's valuable, you wouldn't take it in. You wouldn't want it in there anyway. Question from Don. I don't know if you can read that on the screen, friend. I'm going to leave a word out because YouTube doesn't like it. What are your thoughts on the Scottish R-word who transitioned during his trial to game the system? Are you familiar with that case? So, I don't know. I don't think he was Scottish. Um, there was a guy that I was in Bronzefield with and he was, he was the R-word and he basically said he wanted to be a woman just so he could get into the female establishment and if you saw him he was an absolute joke he was not he, he i've been in with quite a few transgenders and there's genuine ones that i've um known and then there's non-genuine and that was non-gen it was he would mock women he'd wear like man sandals like a man looking watch with a flowery skirt and then have like just like red ring like it was just a mockery and a wig that you it's just yeah it looked like it had been worn by someone for 200 years it was just ridiculous and just wondering what's fran up to now does she go out and try and educate people in the community 
So I've set up my own YouTube channel. So that's kind of like to give people an insight to what prison is like, to share my story that obviously you can change and I have changed. Yeah, and uh, all the people, when that video went viral, Lucy let me one, loads of people went over and checked out Friends channel yeah. and subscribed and we really appreciate that. So if you've not checked it out yet, please go down. The link is in the description box. People are asking about little Ziggy. Ziggy's doing great. You think he's on day four now of his life? And we took him out to the pub today for the first time. We had a Sunday roast in a family pub. <laughs> and um, he snoozed all the way through it. All right. So, and, and Jen's doing tremendous as well. She went through 14 days of hell in hospital, two days in labor. Everything that could possibly not got run smoothly. Uh, but she's an absolute soldier. Uh, Vixter. Fran, out of all the stories you have heard about why inmates were in prison, were there any that were innocent or at least believable? Um, I don't know. I don't know if any of them were innocent. Um, they will say they're innocent, but you obviously just don't know. You don't know the truth behind anyone's story. Was it... Shawshank where they said everyone claims to be innocent in prison, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely, definitely the 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 people to do with children. They're that they will all deny it. They all deny it. Um, I had a friend that she was in there for murder, and she claims her innocence, and is still trying to fight her case. I think she's been in there about well at this point she was in there for about twelve years. Um, you know, and I'd like to believe in that and, and stuff. But the thing is, is you come across some crazy people. Um, you come across people that you think are actually like on your level and then realise, like I said earlier about one girl, that just come, you wouldn't even think they had, I never thought she had some, I never would imagine she had so much hatred for me because of the way she was, it, you know, towards me. So you just, I just don't, you don't trust many people. Just a couple that, that you'll make, true friends with but I don't really believe a lot that comes out of people's mouths so on the mother and daughter case Indy Singh is pointing out it's complicated to be fair manslaughter but the car is a weapon and chasing him at such high speed could be intent and then the call back to the cop saying that these guys are trying to kill us um, definitely puts it in that you know it's a, it's a grey area between manslaughter and murder I think yeah um Let's see, many people have demons. Yeah, and a lot of those demons come from childhood trauma and people who commit crimes against kids and the government could really protect society by locking those monsters up for longer periods of time. What they don't, and many of those kids end up on drugs because they're not given the psychological tools to deal with the trauma and then criminality and then prison. And we see that over and over and over again. Short order cook, do you think the mother and daughter bond will remain strong or will lovers try and manipulate their relationship? That's an interesting one. Yeah, no, I think they it will definitely stay strong. Um, the mother and daughter I saw in in the prison, they they were tight. They I don't think anyone can come between that, especially in the beginning, because they're going to be each other's bit of home, and that's what's going to make it that tiny bit easier. First of all, going in is because you're going in with a bit of home, and you're both serving a long time. Um, it could be that it gets to a point where they get separated. But I don't think people might try and come between them. 
But I mean, if if they're that close that she's done something like this to protect her mum anyway, I don't think anyone's going to come between them. So Dalil Vivi is wondering whether people get started in substances in prison because they are depressed. Yeah, it can. Yeah, depression definitely. Um, just some girls would do it just to fit in with a crowd. But then that kind of crowd will befriend them to get them on the drugs, to then get them hooked, to then make money and then getting them paying like through canteen and stuff. Question from Gary. Fran, these IPP sentences are abhorrent. Still around 2,000 people serving. Some are cutting themselves to shreds. Are there many women serving these sentences? And what are your thoughts on these terms with no release dates? Before you answer, though, just IPP indeterminate sentences, if you're not familiar... It was kind of a, these people are stuck in a legal limbo. They were introduced and they were stopped, but they weren't reversed. So basically, these guys never know when they're getting out. Um, so what do you think? Did you come across women in the IPP zone? Yeah, there was a couple and there was one girl in particular that I um, was friends with and she was IPP for street robbery. Um, so... Gosh, how long was she in for? She'd served, I think it took her years to get out the first time. Um, and then I think she just, it, it, with the, it was the slightest little thing that she got recalled, uh, missing probation, I think once or twice, they got recalled. And she self-harmed real, real, real bad. It mentally messed her up. Um, she would use drugs to take away from, everything that was going on which made her even worse and when i say self-harm this was this was a extreme self-harm and that was all due to the not knowing if she was going to get out you know if if the parole board were going to let and just being in there for such a ridiculous crime and serving you know i think she said at this point she'd done like 14 years altogether um which is just out of this world i don't agree with it i don't think it's right and I don't know how someone can do street robbery and be serving that amount of time and absolutely annoying it in their body. They're, you know, they're just mentally unstable from it. And then someone, yeah, messes with a kid and gets five years. And if people want to check out the interviews we did with Pepsi Watson, who's on IPP, he's back in now and it is harrowing and heartbreaking. Do we think 12 months for death by dangerous driving is a first sentence? It depends on if so, if he's literally just by speeding. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit on the fence with that. 12 months, you've took a life. I don't think it's really long enough, but maybe if I was sat there, I think everybody speeds. This is the problem. So I think I think it depends on how fast you are speeding. It's like this situation now. You know, you're doing 80 miles, 100 miles per hour. You're taking dangerous driving to another level. Like, you can't actually think that you're not going to end up in a crash or them crashing, you know? It does sound on the light side, but it would depend upon the specific circumstances of the case. Angela wants to know your view on arms dealers. Um, I, don't, I don't agree with it. Obviously, it's it's weapons. So, is that what we're talking about here? Yeah. 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 Um, 
yeah i don't i don't agree with it because i just think so many lives are just being taken through stuff like that and they they get harsh sentences um a friend of mine she was got found so her and her partner because the house was in both their name her partner had drugs and two guns and she's got 16 years for that because even though he had admitted it because it was in the drawer in the bedroom they was like well you you know you can't tell me that you didn't go in there the house in your name and she got 16 years for it yeah and our friend Tawana who we interviewed on this channel and who's also going to be in the book sit downs with female gangsters coming out next year she was harboring guns and she got sent down um right so short order cut fran if someone doesn't turn up to visit you how do people cope with that how does that play out do you know what there's there's two there's two damaging things you do there obviously you're gutted because you 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 know you're expecting a visit but two it's really embarrassing or you feel embarrassed like you're sat on a visit and you're waiting for your visitor to turn up so that that alone whether people think it's embarrassing you feel embarrassed you feel like oh yeah look at her like they don't even want to turn up but if i because for me i would always ring i'd ring in the morning i'd ring before my visit and i would double check because things happen things happen so i would then you know all i'd say to people is just make sure if you're not going to go like make a phone call home and just be honest, like, because that, especially if you're excited to see someone as well, that can really, really, especially girls that self-harm, they will go back to their cell and self-harm over it. Mm -hmm. Visits are golden, and I've seen people get, you know, absolutely devastated, transformed, emotionally hollow, vacant, after partners stop visiting them. Some guys, you see them staring at the car park every visitation day, hoping to spot the girlfriend partner's vehicle and it never shows up and they're never the same again after that they've been gutted all right so hamza fran is life in prison hard if you don't find your purpose will this help people get through their sentences putting your heart into something whole wholesome for your mind and body and how did you do it i agree with that totally yeah 100 percent. you have to have a focus you have to have a not necessarily a goal but you do have to like decide what you're going to do how are you going to do it? You know, you keep yourself busy. You have to stay positive. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree on that. Well, a compliment for me there, Sean, reading every line of chat, fully listening to Fran and asking the best questions. <laughs> I didn't miss that one, did I, Sally? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stay gold. Fran, have you ever seen an inmate get accosted and or assaulted? I've seen a fight. Um, I've seen officers through the flat, like... Uh, bend and twist someone up and use forceful action on them to like take them down to segregation but what one... was that for what was it over friend it was over the fight it was over the fight um and then she was like refusing to go behind her door and stuff and both of them were supposed to go down to segregation for it and she was so she basically got naked um and obviously they're not they're not allowed to touch you if you're naked well they have to get female officers so yeah she was just mm. shouting screaming she was and then when they twisted her when they had her all like twisted up with that she was like just going yeah you're turning me on it was it's mad yeah <laughs> <laughs> what would the sentence be if someone sold drugs and the person who took the drugs died would it be over 12 months 
I don't actually know. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think I know anybody that's had that, the consequences to that. Well, this relates to something I was thinking about earlier when you mentioned that you, you know, there was two times that you cried. Would you have been afraid to show this lovely, generous-hearted side of yourself before you went to prison? Um, anyone that knew me that was close to me, they obviously knew who I was. Um, it's quite funny, really, because I had such a big reputation um, of... I remember being in a club and the girl said to me, I must have been chatting away, I was drinking and this one really stands out. She was like, you're so lovely. I was like, what? She goes, you're, you're such a lovely person. I was like, okay. Like, why are you acting? Like, she was really like shocked and she was like, no, no, because when um, such and such went to meet you, he said to me that I had to stand over there. If I, if she come over, I'd beat her up and all this sort of stuff. And it was like, everyone just made this mad reputation for me without me even doing anything. So, um, yeah. And even in prison as well, I had one old lady, she um, come up, she goes, can I say something to you? And I was like, she goes, I don't want to upset you though. I was like, oh, what's, up? what's up? She was like, when I first saw you, I thought you was really scary and I didn't think you was going to be a nice person. And she was like, but you're one of the most loveliest people I've met. <laughs> <laughs> Those two times when you did cry in prison, Fran, did you have to hide it so you wouldn't get exploited for being emotional? No, I've cried in front of people as well. I've lost it with anger and cried. And that, it doesn't... I think once you get in and you become that little family, um, it, it doesn't really matter. Everyone just, everyone does it. And also if you go into prison and you cry as well, you'll be surprised. So some people will take that as weakness, but then you'll get other people that actually will come and comfort you and naturally want to sort of like look after you and make sure that you're all right. A lot different from the men's prison. They'll <laughs> definitely try and exploit you. Gary, will will mum and daughter be able to communicate much, assuming they're in the same prison? So, depending, I'm just trying to think via jail. So, if they went to someone somewhere like the high security one, if they live on different house blocks, they will be able to send letters to each other. You can send, like, you can write to, um, obviously, it's read by the officers at night time. They get it in the morning, so they can write. I doubt they'll see each other maybe going to work. They might cross paths um in the mornings or coming coming back to the wing but if they're in somewhere like sends you you all eat in the dining hall so if they're not on the same wing but they're up on the up on the main block they'll still be able to sit and eat dinner together marley i don't know the exact stats on uk versus usa recidivism but i do know that america's got one in a hundred adults in prison because of the war on drugs and mass incarceration and the UK is under the influence of the same private prisons and all the other parasites, contractors, and now we have got the highest incarceration rate in Europe as well, which is obscene, but it's nowhere near the USA incarceration rate. Um, Dean is asking, how can I phrase this? What did you do? What do you do if you get sexually frustrated in prison? I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you, you can you can choose not to answer that, Fran, if you don't want to. You go in your cell and hope that Elsa don't walk in. 
<laughs> yeah, and in America, um, I had a friend who was busted um, doing a act of that nature on himself. And all acts of that nature on yourself are classified as violations of the prison policy and subject to disciplinary action. So any any kind of act like that, consensual with staff, consensual with inmates, manual uh, on yourself, you will be put. You will be given a disciplinary ticket, and you lose your privileges, including your commissary and your visits. Is that the case for the female prisons? If they get caught, do you get disciplinary action? No, I mean it really depends on the officer. Um, if you've got a decent officer, they will just be like don't like just don't do it again don't let me catch you if you get an officer that's by the book then yeah you can get into trouble you can um you can be if you're on a privileged wing you could get kicked off for it um and you'll be separated from wings as well if you're in a relationship with someone they tend not to put you on the same wing and you have to you have to like justify it but you're not allowed to be intimate with somebody you can be in a relationship but you can't be intimate which is crazy, really, because the less bodily relief you get, the more stressed out you get, and the more likely you are to misbehave. You would think that something that was a healthy part of human nature would not be punished, but it I, is. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you, but the way they look at it is you're not there to have comfort. You, you're being punished. Your punishment is being taken away from all your family members and your loved ones. So being take so having a relationship in there and having something that's normal on the outside is not part like it's, it's like they look at it as you're not being punished because you've got that luxury of comfort there that makes any sense. did fran ever plan an escape <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> did is it easy to recognize the wrong guns in jail yeah i think it is yeah sometimes you'll be shocked Sometimes you'll also be shocked, but you'll you'll notice them more. Just have this aura about them. But like you said earlier, some of them are in denial, and some of them are some of them like undercover, saying that they're in for this and that, when really they got crimes against kids. Yeah, that's very true. A lot of them will lie. Um, Doctor Head, when you put damaged people into a cage, you have damaged people. Never till you get more damaged people. This savage philosophy employed as social control in the prisons is an abomination. And prison in America is the biggest house of the mentally ill as well. So Nikki wants to know, do prisoners like people to write to them? Get letters? Yeah, yeah they do. I mean, I, I was a nightmare for writing back, but I did love receiving mail and I kind of expected everyone to keep writing, even though I didn't, because I did enjoy, I did enjoy mail. I don't think any prisoner doesn't like receiving letters. You see guys watching the mail call, looking at the guards, trying to peep to see what, if their name is on an envelope or, you know, and it's sad. And if, if you're all locked down and the guard goes past your cell and doesn't give you a letter, you see the guys just looking all, visits and mail are gold. And you start to, this is why I appreciate the small things in life now, because you realize the value of everything that you absolutely take for granted only when you lose it all. So... Yeah. Miss Miss Wee Lassie, what's the worst meal you had in prison? What were the best? Um, I actually did have. There's a saying about having raw potatoes, and I did have raw potatoes once. I bit into potato, and it was like crunchy. Um, 
that's got to be the worst. On and it was in like a chicken curry. It was well weird. Um, but my best, oh, I don't know. To enjoy a fry up every Saturday morning, you'd get a fry up. But I know. We used to make our own food. We used to make like our own food as well. So, like, we'd make all different curries and stuff like that. And they're probably my favourite food. Is it normal for women who aren't gay to have female relationships in prison? Yeah, like I said earlier, they call it gay for the stay. Uh, women that aren't gay or bisexual, they will find comfort in other women and then end up in a sexual relationship with them but have boyfriends on the outside. And do any of those relationships ever take over that person's life and they get out of what they had on the outside and stay with the person they met inside? It has been known. Um, there are a few people that have stayed in relationships with with the girls that they've been in prison with, but it's it's more they don't than they do. Gina's wondering whether you, you saw anyone getting bullied in prison. No, I didn't. I heard stories of... Oh, sorry. That cat's just knocked something off the side. Um, I heard stories, but I most of my sentence, I was on a privileged wing, so there wasn't really any of that going on because it just was too much of a risk to take to be kicked off. Were you in Foston Hall? No, I was in Bronzefield and HMP Send. Are cigarettes banned in UK prisons like in America? Yeah, they got banned in September 2017. All right, we've gone through all the questions. So huge thank you to Fran for spending so much time with us again. Please go down and support Fran. The link is in the description box. I'll do it as a pinned comment as well and sub to her channel. There's tons more. And the link is also down there for the original interview we did with Fran a few years back. Check that one out. Is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion to the viewers, Fran? Yeah, thank you, guys. I've had so much love and support and new subs, and I really appreciate you all. And thank you, Sean, as well, for having me on. Much love and respect for everyone in the world, and huge thank you from me and Jen as well for all the love and support that's come in in the last two weeks with the birth of baby Ziggy. And we're going to be putting the uh, video, the birth video on the Atwood family channel. You can 